Good evening, dear friends. Welcome to Life After Life Spirit Reports by Alan Kardec. We're basing our Sunday night study session on Heaven and Hell, one of the books that Alan Kardec blessed us with. And we have been studying many different categories of spirits and are deeply grateful for the opportunity to have these different cases. There are like reality, realty, TV, right friends? Because here we are, we're learning, we're learning firsthand from spirits who have gone before us and they have been blessing us with incredible teachings. Some of them like the happy spirit, spirits, blessed us with lessons of what to do and in the last few months we've been studying the suffering spirits and also now suicide spirits and we're learning more of what to avoid and that is equally important because then we know what to do in a renewed way from a different perspective so tonight we will be studying another suicide case very unprecedented. It is a mother and a son, a mother who is following her son's death. I want to say hello, Tony. Thank you so much for joining, Tony. It is always such a pleasure to have you here. And there's Teresa Castro. Teresa, hello. From coast to coast, from west to east, from east to west. Um, so before we start, let us, if we can, close our eyes and let us connect with God and our beloved Jesus, our guide and model. And it is with incredible amount of gratitude that we gather tonight, opening ourselves to the new teachings to the new teachings that help us to understand in a renewed way of where we're coming from as spirits, why we are here and what is our purpose as spirits, and where are we going after this life. We also thank the mentors of Kardec Radio, the mentors of this group, our own mentors, the healing doctors, for their incessant work to support us, to help us understand, assimilate, and practice the teachings that have been offered to us through millennia. And it is in this lifetime that we pray that we finally, deeply understand and practice the teachings so that we can become more benevolent, indulgent, and forgiving. And it is with a humble mind and a humble heart that we ask for permission to start our, our intercontinental study group tonight. And so be it, friends. Thank you, there is Andres um, joining us. Thank you so much, friend, for being here. So let us get started. Today is an exciting case, very different from all the others we've studied, which is another blessing that Alan Kardec is giving us, nourishing our souls here. And that is that every case is so different and putting the flashlight uh, on the different perspectives of excarnation in a new and different way. So as I said, tonight we're studying mother and son. If you want to read along and follow the case uh, in the book Heaven and Hell, please turn to page 395. We're not going to read the whole entire case, but we're picking out some highlights. And so here it goes. It, this happened in March of 1865. There was a businessman and he had a very seriously ill 21-year-old son, so a son who was very young. Sensing that his time, namely the son's time, had come, this young man called to his mother and still had enough strength left to embrace her. Sobbing, 
she said to him, Go ahead of me, my son, for I won't be long in following you. Having said this, she left the room, hiding her face in her hands. The persons who witnessed this contrite scene thought Mrs. C's words were a simple outburst of grief that time and reason would dispel. After the young man died, they first searched for her throughout the house and finally found her hanged her hung in the barn. She hung herself in the barn. Both mother and son were buried at the same time. So we have a son, 21 years, years old, who is seriously sick. Right before his excarnation, he calls his mother in and embraces her and announces that she, he's going to excarnate. And the mother, grief-stricken, takes her own life and they both get buried at the same moment. So, dear friend, thank you for joining. So nice to see you. There's some more people, so please say hello and so I can welcome you um, by your names. It's always fun to know who is here and we can feel the community all attuning ourselves to each other and the divine teachings, nourishing our soul, learning our immortal lessons. So friends, thank you for joining. So she took her life. The son was evoked several days later. So several days after his excarnation, he was already lucid enough to be evoked. Here is the first question that he's being asked. Did you know that your mother commit, committed suicide out of despair over losing you? Here says the son, yes. And were it not for the sorrow her fatal decision has caused me, I would be perfectly happy. That in itself is sad to hear, right? So it, it actually teaches us that what we do, we who are left behind on planet Earth, how we conduct ourselves does impact those who have moved on. We can either impact them positively through prayer and releasing them, knowing that they are where they're supposed to be, that they have completed their earthly missions, or we can be grief-stricken, creating bonds that keep us bound, that cause ourselves and the one who has transitioned pain. So this son was suffering because of his mother's state. She couldn't bear the trial of a temporary separation, he says, and so that she could be with um, her beloved son, she took her the road that would lead her fathers from him. And for a long, long time so, so she delayed a reunion for who knows how long, but which would have been near at hand if her soul had submitted to the will of the Lord. If she would have resigned herself, humble and repentant, before the trial she had to undergo, the expiation that would have purified her. Friends, let us pause. This is a very, very rich section. So what we're hearing is that she delayed the reunion with her, her, her son. Why? Because she committed suicide, which was obviously not the right choice. Now why? Let us see. So what did she do wrong, so to speak? What did she not, why did she commit suicide? So we're learning that she did not surrender to the will of God. She did not resign herself to her son's passing. She was not humble and she wasn't repentant. And she was not ready to surrender to the expiation that would have purified her. So let us look at this deeper. When we go to the gospel according to Spiritism, Beloved second book by Alan Kardec. There is a chapter. The chapter is chapter 9. And chapter 9 is blessed are the meek and peace loving. Loving. There we learn about obedience and resignation. Remember friends, she did not resign herself to her son passing. 
So what is obedience and what is resignation? Well, in that particular chapter nine, we learn that obedience is surrender of, cons of reason. It's the consent of reason. Reason is linked to our minds. So we surrender our minds. That is obedience. We can be only obedient when we see that it makes sense to surrender. And in order to surrender, what do we need? What is one of the main ingredients? Meekness. Or we can also say we need to be humble. In order to be obedient, we need to be humble. So consent of reason is obedience. But then you may ask, so what is resignation? Well, resignation is linked to our hearts. So it's the mind and the heart. Resignation is the surrender of the heart. So there are two different actions and both of them are companion virtues. So obedience and resignation are companion virtues. So Lazar, the spirit Lazar in the same chapter says, the coward cannot be resigned and the proud and selfish person cannot obey. So in order to be obedient, as we said, we need to be humble. We cannot be proud and selfish. Our ego cannot take center stage. Then we cannot obey. And we know that, right friends? We know that of situations when maybe we're in conflict with other people, it is hard for us to follow their guidance, particularly when we have a little bit of a conflict with them because our selfishness and pride often doesn't allow us to be obedient. And then... Lazar teaches us that as a coward, we are cowards if we cannot resign ourselves, which teaches us that we actually need the opposite of cowardice, which is courage. We need courage to be, to practice resignation. When we go to, to the gospel according to Spiritism chapter 5, which is the longest chapter in the gospel, and that is Blessed are the Afflicted, a wonderful and amazingly important chapter for us to understand because we are all afflicted here on planet Earth. So we're all grappling with this more or less at different times of our lives. Well, there in that chapter is a subchapter on suicide and insanity. And I want to go there for a moment. Let's see where we have the gospel. Here it is. So that is on page 107 on suicide and insanity. Page 107 and here it is. Page 107 too. Yeah. So here, and we're not going to read the whole chapter. We, we invite you to look at it. But here we learn from Alan Kardec. Disbelief, simple doubts about the future which is materialistic ideas in other words. So disbelief and simple doubts about the future are materialistic ideas. Are the greatest incitement of, to suicide. They cause moral cowardice. See friends how it is linked? So when we have disbelief in the future, disbelief in different situations, when we are doubtful, when we're insecure, when we're not aligning ourselves with God's God will, God's will, when we become proud and selfish, in all those different cases, unforgiving, at that moment, we're indulging in materialistic ideas. And what that leads to is a sort of moral cowardice. It makes us fearful. In other words, and we know those situations, right? We become apprehensive, fearful. We make choices out of fear. And we've learned all along that in the new age, you know, whatever we're studying, whatever direction we're going, don't ever make a decision out of fear. Right, friends? We all know that. And that's what leads us to that. If we disconnect ourselves from the source. He continues to say, the propagation of materialistic ideas is therefore the poison that injects the idea of suicide into a large number of individuals. 
We can imagine that, right? Let us just think about all the young people these days that take their lives. It is the materialistic ideas, beauty, fame, um, being good at school, being good in sports, you know, all this competitive ideals that are being nourished in our society. Those are the part of the materialistic ideas in a young person. There's others, which is mentioning some. So they incite people to suicide. With spiritism, however, believers know that life goes on indefinitely beyond the grave. Hence the patience and resignation, here we have it again, the surrender of the heart, that quite naturally keep them from any thought of suicide and hence in some keeps them with moral courage. That is the moral courage because now we know there is a future life. We know about the law of cause and effect. We know that whatever we're thinking, speaking, feeling and acting will come back to us. And of course, the same applies if we take our lives. And of course, we're also learning that we are not allowed to take our lives. Only God is allowed to take our lives. So at the moment when we educate ourselves, and understand the bigger picture, again, of where we came from, why we're here and where we're going, at that moment, we become more courageous because it all makes more sense. Our mind gets fed information, that is the intellectual education, and we get receive our moral education. The, the laws, God's laws, all the lessons that Jesus brought to us, the picture is vast and it makes us courageous. And that is what we need more, most and foremost. So let us see. So in other words, moral courage equals resignation and obedience. Again, obedience is the surrender of the mind, the consent of the mind, and the resignation is the surrender of the heart mind, heart. So then let's see. So we went back, we're going back to the sentence, which is very chock full of information. So resign. She did not resign herself. She didn't have the strength to do that. She was fearful of losing her son, which led her a materialistic concept, which led her to taking her life. Now the next one is she wasn't able to repent and before the trial she had to undergo and the expiation that would have purified her mind. We may remember in the last few weeks we have revisited several times this three steps for our regeneration. We have three steps to regenerate ourselves. Of course, as an apprentices, as an aside, the world, our world, planet Earth, a world of atonement, is in the process of graduating to become a world of regeneration. And so we are on our own path of regeneration. And there are three steps that we go through. So what is the first one? The first one is repentance. And it is the repentance that really comes from the heart. It is not just giving it lip service and saying, oh yeah, I feel bad about what I've been, what I've done. No, it is this heartfelt, this soul, deep soul, felt repentance that is genuine and coherent. So that is our first step. It can happen anywhere and anytime. It can happen in our lives. It can happen uh, in the next, um, in the life after life phase, and it can happen in a next, um, um, what do you say, in a next life. In an, yeah, can't think of the word right now, I'm sorry. So the first step is repentance. The next step is expiation. Remember our friend wasn't able to repent to the, for the situation that was ahead of her and she couldn't wait for the, couldn't recognize that she had to expiate something by experiencing her son dying. And the second step is expiation. So expiation can either be physical or mental. And it can either again happen in this lifetime or it can happen in the future. And the last step, the third step, is the step of reparation. A reparation, again, we can do in our current lifetime or we're 
push it down to another lifetime or in the life between two lives. Reparation means making up for something we've done wrong. So those are three steps for our regeneration. First one is repentance. The second one is expiation. And the third one is reparation. There is a chapter in heaven and hell that is dedicated to the full explanation of these steps. So you may want to refer to that and reread it in studies to really have it sink in because it pertains to our, our current life. I mean, this is something that can be happening and is happening hopefully as we go through our lives that we feel repentant from our heart, that we start expiating and of course make reparation for our wrongs. So that is something that our dear friend was not capable of doing. Let us go back to her. There is also the surrender to the will of the Lord that she was missing. So she couldn't surrender to God's will. She couldn't resign, she couldn't repent, and she wasn't capable of the expiation that would have purified her heart. So we talked about the resignation, we talked about repentance, we talked about expiation, and now let us look at the need, at the importance for us to follow God's will, to align our will with God's will. So suicide is a lack of resignation and a lack of submission to God's will. Can you guys see that? So if we don't surrender our hearts to the challenge we may experience in the moment when we consider suicide and then perhaps even act it out, when we cannot be signed, open our hearts, surrendering our heart to this and seeing that this is a necessary expiatory step in our lives, then we may commit suicide. The other one is the lack of the submission to God's will, that we recognize that we are blessed through the pain that we are experiencing. Blessed are the afflicted, for they shall be comforted. So what happens when we actually do follow God's will? Well, we found a beautiful um, little story in our Daily Bread, a wonderful book by uh, Emmanuel, our spirit friend Emmanuel. And there is chapter 66 that dedicates itself to goodwill, which is really God's will, right? Goodwill is God's will. God's will is goodwill because when we do the good, we follow God's will. So this chapter is very brief and it is very step-by-step um, -step and logical. It really appeals to us. So we felt it would be a good thing to add to the picture today. So here it goes. It is on page 145 in the Daily Bread, chapter 66, called Goodwill. Goodwill finds work to be done. Work leads to renewal. Renewal finds the good. The good expresses the spirit of service. The spirit of service brings understanding. Understanding brings humility. Humility wins love. Love leads to self-denial. Self-denial reaches the light. The light promotes self-betterment. Self-betterment sanctifies the individual. The sanctified individual converts the world to God. Proceeding prudently, proceeding prudently through simple goodwill, the individual reaches the divine kingdom of God. You see, friends, what happens when we actually do follow God's will? We go from goodwill to work, from work to renewal. From renewal, we do the good. As a result of doing the good, we embody the spirit of service. And that leads us to understanding. And the understanding allows us to be humble.
humble. And then humility wins love. And then love leads to self-denial. And self-denial reaches the light. And the light promotes self-betterment, our own improvement. And our own improvement converts us to God. And that is how we find the kingdom of, he of, of heaven. The one, the kingdom of heaven that Jesus promised to us. So we have an example tonight of someone who didn't follow God's will. And she committed suicide. And that made matters so much worse for her. And now we just learned of how beautiful, where, how we can find the kingdom of heaven, which is on the other end of the scale, when we follow God's will and do the good. So let us go back to our friend here. So now she says, oh, pray. Oh, wait, no, Benjamin says, oh, hold on. Let's just see who, who is talking here. Um, the son was evoked several. Yes, and so the son, whose name is Benjamin, he says now, oh, pray, pray for my mother, and especially you mothers who are moved by the story of her death. Do not follow her example. Do not believe that she loved her son, her pride and joy more than other, other mothers loved theirs. So she did not love him more than others. What some people might think she did because she went so far as to commit suicide. But we understand now that that is actually not the case. And as we read on in this case, We'll understand it even better where she was actually stuck. We already know that she didn't follow God's law, she, um, God's, God's will. She didn't resign herself. She wasn't humble. She wasn't repentant and she wasn't willing to expiate. So, but now um, we also learn that she did not love her son more than other mothers who wouldn't have or didn't take up their lives in situations like this. No, she did not love him more. She lacked courage and resignation. See, that's what it was, friends. She lacked courage and resignation. You mothers listening to me, when agony forces your son's eyes to close, remember that, like Christ, they're mounting Calvary, and from there they shall rise to eternal glory. Don't we wish, don't you wish we could just teach that, and not just teach, pass it on to every mother, to everyone who is considering suicide for one reason or another. It is so consoling, isn't it, friends? And we're praying that we're all, we mothers and, and anyone else too, keep that in our hearts because we never know. It's always good to educate ourselves when we're not in distress because we're more open, right, friends? So let us really let that sink in and make that our eternal wisdom that we will remember if we ever came into a situation like that, right friends? So here's the mother now, the evocation, evocation of the mother. I want to see my son. Do you have the power to deliver him to me? They are so cruel. They took him from me to lead him into the light while they left me in darkness. I want him. I want him. He belongs to me. So isn't a mother's love worth anything at all? Well, isn't it? I carried him in my womb for nine months. I nursed him flesh of my flesh, blood of my blood. I guided his first steps. I taught him to utter the sacred name of God and the sweet word mother. I molded him into a man full of energy, intelligence, honesty, uprightness, and filial love, just to lose him when he was about to fulfill my hopes for him, just when a shining future was opening up before him. No, God is not just. He is not a good, a God for mothers, for he does not understand their pain and desperation. And when I bring death upon myself in order not to be separated from my child, they steal him from me again. My son, my son, where are you? Oh, friends, what is, what is she expressing here? 
Well, how could we describe what, what space, mental space she is in? Of course, also her heart space. Of course, she's suffering and we're not mocking and we're not making fun of her because we certainly don't know how we would feel if we lost a child, right? It is, I would think, the hardest thing one could imagine being a mother myself. But let us take this apart for a moment. Let us see. She's demanding and she is actually... I want to say projecting herself, her own consciousness on God, saying that he's not just and he's not a God for mothers. And, and, and she's the victim. She's playing the victim role. And, and she's, she sounds selfish and, and that it's just for her. And she did all of this. And now she wanted her son to pay her back with, with worldly success. And it was all about her, right, friends? And, and she's prideful as well. So she's manifesting. She's manifesting attributes that are the opposite of what Jesus taught us. To be humble, to be meek, to be surrendering, to be resigned, to be obedient, to follow God's will. None of this. To be charitable. She was on the, on the other side of this extreme. Friends, let me see, there are some um, wonderful people who joined. Okay, I don't want to overlook anyone. Oh, okay, there's Dulce Ned. Hello, friend. Thank you for joining. And Sylvia Beltran, lovely to have you, friend. And <laughs> yeah, your dearest friend. And Hippolyto, Hippolyto, dear friend, so nice to see you. Thanks for joining. And yes, all I agree, this is, this. she's really suffering. She is not, she doesn't know the bigger picture. She has, didn't know about spiritism, I'm guessing. So it is an example for us to guard ourselves from. And it doesn't matter whether it's our son or, or daughter that is taken from us or that is passing on. It's, I don't even like the word taken from us because we know, in, you know, we've learned through spiritism that the spirits who pass on have completed their earthly mission and that is to their advantage unless they've taken their lives but this young friend did not take his life so she is not in a place really to see this so now we'll look at the evoker so what does the evoker say poor mother we sympathize with your grief and we do Nevertheless, you sought a sad recourse to reunite yourself with your son. Suicide is a crime in God's eyes, and you must know that he punishes every infraction of his laws. Being kept from seeing your son is your punishment. Let us pause. So the word punishment, these books were written in the 19th century, where the word punishment was still um, a word that was widely accepted. Of course we know there is no punishing God. There is no punishments. That is not the truth. Now today we like to rephrase or use another word and that is we know there is the law of cause and effect. So it is her effect for the cause which is her suicide or it is her consequence. But it is not a punishment. It is really as we admit what we do comes back to us. Law of cause, that is our thinking, our action, our words, they have an effect. And the fact that she's not allowed to see her son at this moment is the effect of the cause, which was his suicide. So then we also see in the sentence that suicide is a crime. And we want to undermine that, underline that, by going to the um, Spirit's book, question 944 towards the end of the Spirit's book, we learn that suicide is a crime. Do we have the right to take our lives? Alan Kardec asks very clearly and succinctly. And the Spirits on High answer very clearly, no. No, we do not have the right to take our lives or anyone else's life. Only God has the right to take lives. And the transgression of that, so if we transgress that law, then we work against God's laws, and that will have an effect. That is 
the repercussions. Those are the repercussions. That's then our suffering. So in that same sentence, in that same paragraph, the spirits actually say only this insane individuals take their lives. Now, insane individuals, we don't want to come from judgment either. But insanity in that case, we want to call it lack of knowledge. It's ignorance. It's just lack of education, lack of knowing. And it's out of ignorance that we commit crimes, that we commit trespasses, so to speak, that we hurt others and ourselves. And that is why it is so vital for us to educate our will. The will is the CEO of our minds, of our beings that we learn in Thought and Life by Emmanuel, the book Thought and Life. And a will needs to be educated because the will is the driving force. And that's why we said earlier, it is so powerful to align our will with God's will. And it is always an uneducated will of a person that leads them to commit suicide. So this insanity is lack of education, lack of knowledge. So let us go back to our friend. Let's see what happens next. Well, she is very worried about the fact that in the next paragraph that she won't ever see her son again. And um, she's further still upset and ranting a little bit about God and not God, God not really showing up for her. And then the evoker says to her, your son is not lost forever. Believe me, you will certainly see him again, but you must deserve it by submitting yourself to God's will. Whereas in rebelliousness, you can delay that moment indefinitely. And so he is talking to us as well, right friends, because we need to surrender to God's will. We need to understand that we need to resign ourselves, that we need to practice resignation and obedience. And we can ask ourselves as a therapeutic moment, we'll take a pause and we go inside of ourselves. And let us see where are we at in obedience and resignation. Are we good to surrender our minds and hearts to God's will or even to others' wills? Are we? Where are we at? Do we need more work on that? It is important that we reflect it back on ourselves, since these two are two very important companion virtues. And we need to make sure that we nurture and nourish them in us, ideally every single day, practicing through the vicissitudes of life, through the challenges that come our way daily, to practice resignation and to practice obedience. So let us see what else he's teaching us and this mother. Listen to me, God is infinitely good, he says, but also infinitely just. And that is the other thing we can so surrender and trust. God is in charge. He's infinitely just. There will never, even if we from our earthly limited vision and perspective, we think others have it better. And why am I suffering and the others aren't? It's not our job to, to, to judge. That's, that's God's, but God isn't judging, actually. God is just, there's the, there's the divine laws that we fall under, whether we ignore them or not. They are there and they will rule us. And there is an infinitely just God here and nothing else. And that gives us peace. So then he says, your son's death was a test for your resignation. Unfortunately, you failed it while alive. And now after your death, you're failing it again. But God is so good. He always gives all of us another opportunity. Do you expect God to reward your rebelliousness? God is not implacable. He always welcomes the repentance of the guilty. He always welcomes the repentance of the guilty. And that is the invitation for us. 
All we need to do is practice humility and admit that we've done wrong and then repent. And then we remember the three steps, expiation and regeneration. So that's our path to it's repentance, it's expiation, and it is, what was the third step? Um, can't think of the word right now, reparation. It is resignation, it, 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 it is repentance, expiation, and reparation. Those are the steps. And God always gives us another opportunity. So, um, you're failing it again. If you had accepted with resignation and humility the trial God sent you through a momentary separation, and if you had waited patiently for the time when he would have taken you from this earth, then at the entrance of the world you now find yourself in, you would have immediately seen your son coming towards you with open arms. Isn't it tragic? So if she had played by the rules, if she had followed God, the God's, God's laws, being humble, accepting the trial with resignation and obedience, she would have been right there being greeted but was by her son. And she did not do it by not practicing those virtues. We're learning, right friends, we're learning. This is a very, very deep lesson tonight. He can see you, he says. So the son sees the mother. He loves you always and mourns the sad condition you have fallen into because of your lack of trust in God. Faith. We need to practice faith. We need to have faith. He eagerly waits for the happy moment when he will be allowed to show himself to you. However, it depends only on you to hasten or delay that moment. Pray to God and say with me, Dear God, forgive me for having doubted your justice and goodness. So we're learning that it is up to us. We can shorten or lengthen our trial. We always have a choice. We have free will. And if we align it, our, we align our world with God's will, we shorten our trials, which this mom did not do. And he, we're also realizing that the son, who is in a higher world than his mother, sees her and is not allowed to actually show herself to him yet, to her yet, because she's not ready for it. She needs to do her work, her homework, hopefully faster than slower, to be able to be reunited with him. And she being in the lower world cannot see him. So spirits in higher worlds always have more freedom to travel, to see, and tune into us. Whereas spirits who are in lower worlds don't have that freedom. So if you have, um, the mother now says, what a light of hope you have just made shine in my soul. It is like a shining light in the night surrounding me. Thank you. I will pray. Goodbye. So the mother is learning. Thanks to the evoker who spoke to her very clearly. Very clearly in very clear terms. She understood. And we're hoping that she will be doing the work that is required. Now in wrapping up. There is the small print that we want to pick out some highlights from. Death, even by suicide, did not produce in this spirit, the mother's spirit, the delusion that she was still alive. She was perfectly aware of her state. For others, however, their punishment consists exactly in the delusion that they are still alive, which is caused by the ties that still keep them bound to their bodies. So. What is being pointed out here, and which is another very important lesson for us, is that every case is different. And in this case, I mean in the previous cases, we've often learned that suicides are still bound to their bodies due to the fact that the cords, that the perispirit is still linked to the physical form. And sometimes as long as the person would have been still in their bodies had they not taken their lives. 
So, but in this case, and as a result of being still connected to the physical form as a result of suicide or sudden death, the spirit often doesn't know that they have excarnated, they are confused. And in this case, it's interesting, this lady took her life and it's very clear that she has excarnated. So in this case, her pain, her expiratory pain is in the clarity. Whereas in other cases, it is in the lack of clarity that they have excarnated. Very interesting, right? So we can never say, oh, this is how it is, black and white. Every case is different. There's so many different aspects playing into it. And we can't even begin to judge. We're not God. We're just, we're just reading these cases and are in awe. So this woman wanted to leave the earth in order to follow her son into the next life. So she had to be aware that she was actually in that world in order to be punished by not finding him there. So in this case, her consequence, her trial is in knowing she is, she's excarnated and she can't find her son. That's her pain. Thus, each wrong is punished and, and we need to rephrase. So let us, I invite you to not get hung up on the word punished, but consequenced, right? Thus, each wrong is consequenced according to the circumstances that accompany it. And there are no invariable uniform consequences for wrongs or effects for wrongs of the same kind. So every single wrong has a different effect. Every cause has a different effect. We cannot say, oh, all suicides are bound to their bodies and confused and don't know whether they've excarnated or not. This case teaches us that her effect, her pain, is exactly knowing that she's excarnated and that she cannot find and see and love and be reunited with her son. So there are a lot of rich lessons in tonight's case. And um, I invite you for closing to close your eyes and let us pray. Let us pray to God. Let us pray to Jesus, our guide and model, and thank him for having brought these invaluable lessons, these invaluable teachings to this planet. It is on the eve of Christmas, his birth, that we're finding ourselves in so much gratitude that he took it upon himself to take a body on this planet to model to us, to show us of how to become a better human being, modeling to us of how to be charitable, of how to be healing, of how to be forgiving, of how to be indulgent and benevolent, of how to be coherent, lessons of love, understanding, to be re resigned and following God's will, to be obedient and humble, meek and peace-loving, loving, to actually accept with resignation and gratitude the suffering that comes to our, in our way during our lives. Thank you, Jesus, for coming and joining us on this planet and leaving behind your invaluable, immortal lessons that are now further expanded thanks to Spiritism and the Spirits on High. Alan, thanks to Alan Kardec who codified, helped us understand Jesus' teachings even further. So we too can practice understanding, practice goodness, feel the good, visualize the good, and mold the good with all the resources we have at hand, always. And during the holiday season, let us remember that we not so much seek to be loved, seek to be consoled, seek to be served, as to serve, as to console, as to love and to forgive, rather than wait to be forgiven that we keep our hearts open to all the friends and relatives. May they be 
close to us or distant. May we have a loving and easy relationship to them, with them or not. To be always of service, to be forgiving and loving and kind. Kind to ourselves and of course to everyone else. And we're asking that in the weeks to come, in the week to come, we keep in mind these immortal, vital lessons we've received tonight, helping us always. We're asking for permission to close tonight's study group. And so be it. Dear friends, thank you so much for joining. I see somebody else. Let us see. Oh, who is the evoker? I don't know. It wasn't really exactly. I'm guessing maybe Alan Kardec. It's not spelled out with the name Rosa. So I can't. I'm going to look further. And when I find out, I will post it here, friend. Okay. And thank you so much for joining, Andrea. And thank you for the lesson. I feel the same way. What a, what a beautiful, immortal lesson. We need it. We need to understand it more. And Rosa, also, thank you for joining and for the beautiful lesson joining this lesson and Rosa how can we how how can oops just jumped away how we can improve our trust in the Lord's goodness when difficulties come our way how to improve our resignation it is a daily practice Rosa I would recommend that we look at the um, gospel there's some beautiful chapters in in chapter chapter 5 and chapter 9, chapter 5, which is a, an amazingly helpful chapter. Blessed are the afflicted is a very good start. And then to just practicing and praying, having faith that we're always at the right moment and we're receiving exactly what we need. Not always what we want, but definitely what we need for our evolution, Rosa and all of us. Thank you so much, Marta. Thank you everyone for joining and so God willing, first of all, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, and so God willing, we will meet again next Sunday, same time, same space, and we will be talking about another suicide case. Good night, friends.